Welcome back to part two of my Mindanao Folktales Extravaganza. If you missed the introduction, I would suggest that you go back and listen to episode 90A for part one. Okay, let's begin. Lumabet, from the Bagobo people. Soon after people were created on earth, there was born a child named Lumabet, who lived to be a very, very old man. He could talk when he was but one day old, and all his life he did wonderful things until the people came to believe that he had been sent by Manama, the great spirit. When Lumabet was still a young man, he had a fine dog, and he enjoyed nothing so much as taking him to the mountains to hunt. One day the dog noticed a white deer. Lumabet and his companions started in pursuit, but the deer was very swift and they could not catch it. On and on they went, until they had gone around the world, and still the deer was ahead. One by one his companions dropped out of the chase, but Lumabet would not give up until he had the deer. All the time he had but one banana and one kamot, sweet potato, for food. But each night he planted the skins of these, and in the morning he found a banana tree with ripe fruit and a sweet potato large enough to eat. So he kept on until he had been around the world nine times, and he was an old man and his hair was gray. At last he caught the deer, and then he called all the people to a great feast to see the animal. While all were making merry, Lumabet told them to take a knife and kill his father. They were greatly surprised, but did as he commanded. And when the old man was dead, Lumabet waved his headband over him, and he came to life again. Eight times they killed the old man at Lumabet's command, and the eighth time he was small like a little boy, for each time they had cut off some of his flesh. They all wondered very much at Lumabet's power, and they were certain that he was a god. One morning some spirits came to talk with Lumabet, and after they had gone he called the people to come into his house. We cannot all come in, said the people, for your house is small and we are many. There is plenty of room, said he. So all went in, and to their surprise, it did not seem crowded. Then he told the people that he was going on a long journey, and that all who believed he had great power could go with him, while all who remained behind would be changed into animals and buso. He started out, many following him, and it was as he said. For those who refused to go were immediately changed into animals and buso. He led the people far away across the ocean to a place where the earth and the sky meet. When they arrived, they saw that the sky moved up and down like a man opening and closing his jaws. Sky, you must go up, commanded Lumabet. But the sky would not obey, so the people could not go through. Finally, Lumabet promised the sky that if he would let all the others through, he might have the last man who tried to pass. Agreeing to this, the sky opened and the people entered, but when near the last, the sky shut down so suddenly that he caught not only the last man, but also the long knife of the man before. On that same day, Lumabet's son, who was hunting, did not know that his father had gone to the sky. When he was tired of the chase, he wanted to go to his father, so he leaned an arrow against a baliti tree and sat down on it. Slowly it began to go down, and it carried him to his father's place, but when he arrived he could find no people. He looked here and there and could find nothing but a gun made of gold. This made him very sorrowful, and he did not know what to do until some white bees which were in the house said to him, 
You must not weep, for we can take you to the sky where your father is. So he did as they bade and rode on the gun, and the bees flew away with him until in three days they reached the sky. Now although almost all of the men who followed Lumabet were content to live in the sky, there was one who was very unhappy, and all the time he kept looking down at the land below. The spirits made fun of him and wanted to take out his intestines so that he would be like them and never die, but he was afraid and always begged to be allowed to go back home. Finally, Manama told the spirits to allow him to go, so they made a chain of leaves of the karang grass and tied it to his legs. Then they let him down slowly, head first, and when he reached the ground, he was no longer a man, but an owl. Here is the story of creation from the Bilan people. In the very beginning, there lived a being so large that he cannot be compared with any known thing. His name was Malu, and when he sat on the clouds, which were his home, he occupied all the space above. His teeth were pure gold, and because he was very cleanly and continually rubbed himself with his hands, his skin became pure white. The dead skin which he rubbed off his body was placed on one side in a pile and by and by this pile became so large that he was annoyed and set himself to consider what he could do with it. Finally, Malu decided to make the earth, so he worked very hard in putting the dead skin into shape, and when it was finished, he was so pleased with it that he determined to make two beings like himself, though smaller, to live on it. Taking the remnants of the material left after making the earth, he fashioned two men, but just as they were all finished except their noses, Tautana from below the earth appeared and wanted to help him. Melu did not wish any assistance, and a great argument ensued. Tautana finally won his point and made the noses which he placed on the people upside down. When all was finished, Melu and Tautana whipped the forms until they moved. Then Melu went to his home above the clouds, and Tautana returned to his place below the earth. All went well until one day a great rain came, and the people on the earth nearly drowned from the water which ran off their heads into their noses. Melu, from his place on the clouds, saw their danger, and he came quickly to earth and saved their lives by turning their noses the other side up. The people were very grateful to him and promised to do anything he should ask of them. Before he left for the sky, they told him that they were very unhappy living on the great earth all alone so he told them to save all their hair from their heads and the dry skin from their bodies, and the next time he came, he would make them some companions. And in this way, there came to be a great many people on the earth. Another creation story from the Bilan people. In the beginning there were four beings, and they lived on an island no larger than a hat. On this island there were no trees or grass, or any other living things besides these four people and one bird. One day they sent this bird out across the waters to see what he could find, and when he returned he brought some earth, a piece of rattan, and some fruit. 
Melu, the greatest of the four, took the soil and shaped it, and beat it with a paddle in the same manner in which a woman shapes pots of clay, and when he finished, he had made the earth. Then he planted the seeds from the fruit, and they grew until there was much rattan and many trees bearing fruit. The four beings watched the growth for a long time and were well pleased with their work, but finally Malu said, Of what use is this earth and all the rattan and fruit if there are no people? And the others replied, Let us make some people out of wax. So they took some wax and worked long, fashioning it into forms. But when they brought them to the fire, the wax melted, and they saw that men could not be made in that way. Next, they decided to try to use dirt in making people, and Melu and one of his companions began working on that. All went well until they were ready to make the noses. The companion, who was working on that part, put them on upside down. Melu told him that the people would drown if he left them that way, but he refused to change them. When his back was turned, however, Malu seized the noses one by one and turned them as they are now. But he was in such a hurry that he pressed his finger at the root and it left a mark in the soft clay which you can still see on the faces of people. This is the children of Limokon, and this is a Mandaya story from Mindanao. In the very early days before there were any people on the earth, the Limokon, a kind of dove, were very powerful and could talk like men, though they looked like birds. One Limokon laid two eggs, one at the mouth of the Mayo River and one farther up its course. After some time these eggs hatched, and the one at the mouth of the river became a man, while the other became a woman. The man lived alone on the bank of the river for a long time, but he was very lonely and wished many times for a companion. One day when he was crossing the river, something was swept against his legs with such force that it nearly caused him to drown. On examining it, he found that it was a hare, and he determined to go up the river and find whence it came. He traveled up the stream, looking on both banks, until finally he found the woman, and he was very happy to think that at last he could have a companion. They were married and had many children, who are the Mandaya, still living along the Mayo River. This is the story of the sun and the moon, also from the Mandaya people. The sun and the moon were married, but the sun was very ugly and quarrelsome. One day he became angry at the moon and started to chase her. She ran very fast until she was some distance ahead of him when she grew tired and he almost caught her. Ever since he has been chasing her, at times almost reaching her and again falling far behind. The first child of the sun and moon was a large star, and he was like a man. One time the sun, becoming angry at the star, cut him up into small pieces and scattered him over the whole sky, just as a woman scatters rice, and ever since there have been many stars. Another child of the sun and moon was a gigantic crab. He still lives and is so powerful that every time he opens and closes his eyes there is a flash of lightning. 
Most of the time, the crab lives in a large hole in the bottom of the sea, and when he is there, we have high tide. But when he leaves the hole, the waters rush in, and there is low tide. His moving about also causes great waves on the surface of the sea. The crab is quarrelsome like his father, and he sometimes becomes so angry with his mother, the moon, that he tries to swallow her. When the people on earth, who are fond of the moon, see the crab near her, they run out of doors and shout and beat on gongs until he is frightened away. And thus the moon is saved. And now we have the widow's son from the Subanun people. In a little house at the edge of a village lived a widow with her only son, and they were very happy together. The son was kind to his mother, and they made their living by growing rice in clearings on the mountainside and by hunting wild pig in the forest. One evening, when their supply of meat was low, the boy said, Mother, I'm going to hunt pig in the morning, and I wish you would prepare rice for me before daylight. So the widow rose early and cooked the rice and at dawn the boy started out with his spear and dog. Some distance from the village he entered the thick forest. He walked on and on, ever on the lookout for game, but none appeared. At last, when he had traveled far and the sun was hot, he sat down on a rock to rest and took out his brass box to get a piece of betel nut. He prepared the nut and leaf for chewing, and as he did, he so wondered why it was that he had been so unsuccessful that day. But even as he pondered, he heard his dog barking sharply and crammed the betel nut into his mouth, and he leaped up and ran toward the dog. As he grew near, he could see that the game was a fine large pig, all black save its four legs which were white. He lifted his spear and took aim, but before he could throw, the pig started to run, and instead of going toward the water course, it ran straight up the mountain. The boy went on in hot pursuit, and when the pig paused again, he took aim, but before he could throw, it ran on. Six times the pig stopped just long enough for the boy to take aim, and then started on before he could throw. The seventh time, however, it halted on the top of a large flat rock, and the boy succeeded in killing it. He tied its legs together with a piece of rattan, and was about to start for home with the pig on his back when to his surprise a door in the large stone swung open and a man stepped out. Why have you killed my master's pig? asked the man. I did not know that this pig belonged to anyone, replied the widow's son. I was hunting, as I often do, and when my dog found the pig, I helped him to catch it. Come in and see my master, said the man, and the boy followed him into the stone, where he found himself in a large room. The ceiling and floor were covered with peculiar cloth that had seven wide stripes of red alternating with a like number of yellow stripes. When the master of the place appeared, his trousers were of seven colors, as were his jacket and the kerchief about his head. The master ordered betel nut, and when it was brought, they chewed together. Then he called for wine, and it was brought in a jar so large that it had to be set on the ground under the house and even then the top came so high above the floor that they brought a seat for the widow's son, and it raised him just high enough to drink from the reed in the top of the jar. He drank seven cups of wine, and then they ate rice and fish and talked together. 
The master did not blame the boy for killing the pig and declared that he wished to make a brother of him. So they became friends and the boy remained seven days in the stone. At the end of that time, he said that he must return to his mother who would be worried about him. In the early morning, he left the strange house and started for home. At first, he walked briskly, but as the morning wore on, he went more slowly, and finally, when the sun was high, he sat down on a rock to rest. Suddenly looking up, he saw before him seven men, each armed with a spear, a shield, and a sword. They were dressed in different colors, and each man had eyes the same color as his clothes. The leader, who was dressed all in red with red eyes to match, spoke first, asking the boy where he was going. The boy replied that he was going home to his mother, who would be looking for him, and added, Now I ask where you are going, all armed ready for war. We are warriors, replied the man in red, and we go up and down the world, killing whatever we see that has life. Now that we have met you, we must kill you also. The boy, startled by this strange speech, was about to answer, when he heard a voice near him say, Fight, for they will try to kill you. And upon looking up, he saw his spear, shield, and sword, which he had left at home. Then he knew that the command came from a spirit. So he took his weapons and began to fight. For three days and nights they contended, and never before had the seven seen one man so brave. On the fourth day, the leader was wounded and fell dead, and then one by one the other six fell. When they were all killed, the widow's son was so crazed with fighting that he thought no longer of returning home, but started out to find more to slay. In his wanderings he came to the home of a great giant, whose house was already full of men he had conquered in battle, and he called up from outside. Is the master of the house at home? If he is, let him come out and fight! This threw the giant into a rage, and seizing his shield and his spear, the shaft of which was the trunk of a tree, he sprang to the door and leapt to the ground, not waiting to go down the notched pole which served for steps. He looked around for his antagonist, and seeing only the widow's son, he roared, Where is that man that wants to fight? That thing? It is only a fly. The boy did not stop to answer, but rushed at the giant with his knife, and for three days and nights they struggled till the giant fell, wounded at the waist. After that the widow's son stopped only long enough to burn the giant's house, and then rushed on looking for someone else to slay. Suddenly he again heard the voice which had bade him fight the seven men, and this time it said, Go home now, for your mother is grieved at your absence. In a rage he sprang forward with his sword, though he could see no enemy. Then the spirit which had spoken to him made him sleep for a short time. When he awoke, the rage was spent. Again the spirit appeared and it said, The seven men whom you killed were sent to kill you by the spirit of the great stone, for he looked in your hand and saw that you were to marry the orphan girl whom he himself wished to wed. But you have conquered. Your enemies are dead. Go home now and prepare a great quantity of wine, for I shall bring your enemies to life again, and you will all live in peace. So the widow's son went home, and his mother, who had believed him dead, was filled with joy at his coming, and all the people in the town came out to welcome him. When he had told them his story, they hastened to get wine, and all day they bore jars full to the widow's house. That night there was a great feast, 
and the spirit of the great stone, his seven warriors, the friendly spirit, and the giant all came. The widow's son married the orphan girl, while another beautiful woman became the wife of the spirit of the stone. The end. Wow, that was a wonderful set of stories from many different people. I love the story of the man who gets the bolos and hatchets to work for him, but then lost his arm because he was being watched. It seemed rather drastic, but interesting at the same time. Also, the Mandaya story of how the sun and the moon and the stars and the crab came to be. So cool. The podcast shout-out is to Slapshot Sweethearts. I've followed this pod for a little while just to get my hockey fix. I love that Megan and Shannon are into my favorite sport and are doing a great job of breaking all the news that comes out of it. A must listen if you love the game and if you want to support women in sports casting. And if you like it as much as I do, please give them a five star rating on Podchaser or iTunes. The listener shout out is to North Mindanao. You are 4% of my listeners from the Philippines. The island, like all of the islands in the Philippines, is super diverse. Languages, people, religions, everything. The language I am going to attempt is Cebuano. Shout out to Dumbfounded and Mimai for the correct words. Dagang salamat ug mayong kabi. Thank you and good night. <laughs>